Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club, episode number 23. We're going to be talking about the Netflix original film Small Crimes uh, today on the podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me this week... As always. No, I'm kidding. It's Corey Star. Hello, hello. Actually, 23 episodes in, and yes, that is correct. You have been on every one of them. So <laughs> Yes. Um, Guys, that's almost six months. Now, I have the uh, benefit of being on summer vacation at the moment, um, which is, this is the first week, is almost concluded. Um, I actually will be working a little bit in the next couple of weeks, but nonetheless, I, I don't have a master's uh, d- degree that I'm chasing this year like I did last year, so I am kind of free, so I've seen a few more movies than I, I uh, have been. Um, I did I went and saw The Mummy today, um, which this is Friday, the day it officially came out, and I saw It Comes at Night, um, uh, last night, or Thursday night, and, um, it comes at night, great movie, my review is up on com. The Mummy, my review will be out by the time this podcast is, uh, and it's fine, it's, it's better than the Rotten Tomato score is implying, um, and I'm not just saying that because The Mummy is my number five pick on our fantasy draft, uh, but it doesn't hurt that it's my number five pick, because it, it's not looking good for The Mummy right now, um, but it was it wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It wasn't nearly as bad as the twenty percent on Rotten Tomatoes implies. There are definitely problems. Biggest problem is it's the beginning of Universal's dark universe. Have you heard about that, Corey? Where well, I knew that they were like uh, re. I don't want to say rehashing, but um, bringing back some of the uh, classic monsters. Yeah, all of their Universal monsters. I think is the plan. Um, the Mummy has two. Uh, built in and I don't know if it's a spoiler it, it just I guess depends on if you look at IMDB before you see a movie um, but one of the actors is playing a well-known character um, but again I don't know I feel like in the movie they try to set it up as a reveal but I knew the whole time so it wasn't a big reveal <laughs> well also I'm wondering if they're going to try to do that with the whole series because I feel like that might get a little tired like, or where they just like, insert things? Yeah, where they where they'd make them all connected. But... Oh, that's the plan though. They're supposed to be uh, all connected, and I believe they're not necessarily going to be fighting each other, but I do think they're going to be fighting something. Um, mm-hmm. And do you know what Universal is calling this extended universe? No. Now I didn't either, and I was re- I heard someone refer to this last night. Um, having not seen the mummy and then saw the mummy today and was very shocked at what Universal has done. They are calling this universe, uh, this expanded universe of monster movies, the Dark Universe. And you know the traditional Universal opening title card. Yeah. The the Universal music comes on. It did that like usual, but instead of it Ooh. just fading out, it started to zoom in on the U, and the Earth rotated and it got dark. And then the words dark what? universe showed up over the world that was darkened. And I was like, oh, boy, um, we are. Was it cool or cheesy? Cheesy. Very, very, very cheesy. Dang it. Um, I was ex- I'm like envisioning this really cool thing. Universal, you should definitely hire me. No, <laughs> I have no background in any of this. But this, of course, is my own opinion and nobody else's. I, I one, don't like the title of it. Um, and two, I didn't think the title card was that great. Um, now. I was told, and I have not done any fact-checking, but I was told from a friend who generally knows stuff about movies that Dracula Untold, that was the last Dracula movie, right? 
That was horrible, yes. Yeah, that that was supposed to start the Dark Universe, but it did so bad that they're like, no, that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> so Unrelated, unrelated. And right now, if the critics are to be heard, um, it's not doing, the mummy's not doing well. But I, I definitely don't think it's as bad as that, that. It does feel like they're trying to set up a bigger universe rather than focusing on the story that they're telling. Um, and especially some of the things that get shoehorned in definitely are like for the benefit of the, the long term. With that said, though, there are some cool Easter eggs for anyone who's familiar with the Universal Monsters that I was. Um, Mike from the Top 5 Movies went with me and my daughter and his son. We all went and saw it today. And um, there was when the Easter egg showed up, we both like leaned in and looked at each other because um, our kids were between us. And we're like, I was like, oh, crap, that's awesome. Um, and I was excited someone else knew what they were because, you know, not everyone would have. But uh, movie lovers will definitely recognize the Easter eggs and they are cool. Um, so I'll, I'll say that. Um, awesome. I won't talk about it comes at night because I know you really want to see that and I don't want to spoil anything but it is thank you uh, I appreciate that you said it was really good though actually, like, I wanted to know I'm kind of regretting or... saying that uh, because last but... time I said Get Out was really good and then you hated it <laughs> so I don't want you to go in thinking it's really good or the good. contrarian yeah so it actually it's it's neutral it is Switzerland it's my nude of, it's my, uh, my new shit my new oh, handle oh dropping the S word too look at that Oh, well, I thought I could cuss on this one. Oh, I'm you sorry. can. I mean, it's fine. I choose not to, uh, especially because I don't know if my students listen to me or not, and I don't want them to sorry, students. hear my potty mouth. But no, you're entitled. You don't teach. Um, yeah. Um, have you yeah. seen any movies aside from Small Crimes uh, that we'll be talking about in a little bit uh, this week? Yes. I just said a hair flip. Um, actually, my friend and I went to see Wonder Woman on Wednesday. Oh, Dang, and it was, uh, you guys know that I avoid the theaters on opening weekends because um, sometimes, depending on the movie, like, I I was actually going to go see It Comes at Night on Thursday, and then I kind of like, eh, I better watch this movie for our podcast instead. Mm -hmm. um, so, mm -hmm. like, the smaller movies I can usually get away with on, like, opening night or opening weekend, but this one I actively avoided because I knew it was going to be crazy, but guys, I went on a Wednesday night, and it was in our biggest like screening room in our theater one of the two and um it was pretty full like if i knew it was gonna be that full i probably would have went a different night actually oh, but wow. great movie like i'm going to go see it again with yeah. bill i actually want to see it a second time i kind of want to see it in imax um, I, that's yeah but uh did you like all of the movie like was there anything that you thought was a little weak um, I'm trying, okay, so, like, I saw, I saw the, the thing that, you know, I saw that coming, like, mm, yeah. she and I, like, leaned into each other, and we're like, yep, um, but I'm trying to think, I actually thought that the humor was placed really well oh, in yeah. the movie, not over the top, I, this, I was also worried going into this because there's so much hype about this movie, but everyone, listen, it lives up to the hype. It does. Um, my my only issue, I didn't like much of the third act. Um, I didn't like uh, the fight sequence with the 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 big bad kind of thing at the end. I thought it yeah. was it was a little. I mean, it's not like it's not unexpected, but I I didn't like it. I didn't think it looked as good as it could have. It felt a little cheesy at moments, and um, I won't spoil anything. But there is another movie that is regarded as a kind of comedic sci-fi film that has a very similar ending revelation um but i felt like wonder woman's felt 
real cheesy, especially because of the, the way sh- she articulates her revelation at the end. And I won't say what it is or anything like that. That was just my one issue. Otherwise, I still it didn't ruin the movie for me or anything like that. It was it's still great. And I'm gonna say this too because I was talking about this with my friend afterwards, like the next day. I you can tell that a woman directed this movie because the women like the costuming the makeup everything is so perfect and even though they're wearing these like small outfits you don't get any zoom-ins of their butts or zoom-ins of their boobs and it totally makes sense what they're wearing and why they're wearing it and everything just makes sense and I'm not trying to be like oh my god the female body needs to be covered up from head to toe I'm not that kind of person at all but I get tired of like Oh my gosh! You know what I mean? Yeah, I appreciated that a lot. In fact, um, I think the biggest nude sequence in the movie is Chris Pine. Um, yeah, that, which, which I just isn't really enjoyed it nude, a lot. But yeah, no, but like they they subvert a lot of tropes. But at the same time, she didn't make Chris Pine's character subservient to the woman either. Like they are both <laughs> equally strong and able to do carry Take care things. Of you. Yes, yeah. I appreciated that too because. It usually is one way or the other. They're not equals. Yeah, and they are totally and well-deserved equals. And, I mean, Trevor, if anything, shouldn't be an equal because he is just human, not a superhero. But they're equals in their own rights. Like, they both can stand alone, and they don't need each other, but they benefit from each other's presence. And it's there's so much greatness in that movie, and Patty Jenkins definitely nailed it. Um, I, I hope that justice league can uh follow because it does come out it's scheduled to come out at the end of this year um although they're still in post-production and joss whedon supposedly they have started doing some reshoots i don't know if that's good or bad um it's often bad so we'll have to wait and see for justice league if they can follow up with uh from wonder woman um and yeah uh i i'm glad you got to see it um you should have gone to see uh it comes at night because we went last night with a group uh, that was someone's birth, it was Big Tuna who writes. In fact, has an uh, we'll have a review up this weekend um, on our site. It was his birthday uh, celebration, so a few of us went oh, to, nice. uh, to with him, and it was our group and then two other people uh, for it comes at night, and that's it. Um, which is cool. Um, you know, it's a small indie film. It's a twenty four. Joel Edgerton. I just have to say though, I swear that guy gets better in every movie I see him in. Like. He's just progressively a more dominating force on screen every time I watch a movie with him in it, and um, I would say that's that's very true for this the the new movie. It comes at night. Wasn't he in Midnight Special? He was. He was in Midnight Special. He was in Loving. Uh, so two I Jeff Nichols films. Loving is a really good movie. It's just it feels really slow. Um, it's a really powerful story though. It's not in no way am I insulting it. It just I don't know if I would want to watch it again. Um, but the, again, not to take away from the movie, there's two great performances and Edgerton is great in it. So definitely don't want to take away from that because that is my point. And Michael Shannon's very small role in Loving is great too. Um, oh, I love that man. I know, Corey. I know. That's what but you did. You like shoot that in I, to like to make, make me watch it and make you, go you buy it so I can have a digital copy. So, um, we don't do that, John. I know. Don't it's do that. against the rule. It's not really though. I don't think uh, if I pay no partial, I don't know. Anyways, um, we are going to get into our trailer talk for movies coming out on June 16th, and there are a few, in fact, um, that we're going to be getting to. So, with that, let's talk about trailers. 
All right, so the first trailer we're watching this week was 47 Meters Down, uh, starring Mandy Moore and some other girl. I forgot her name already. Um, Corey and I just watched this trailer, and what are your thoughts, Corey? <laughs> it kind of takes your breath away. Har, har, har. Um, and also, these girls, I know it's just the trailer, but um, these girls are going on this super dangerous diving trip, and they get a 10-second primer. Oh, is that, is that all they, is that what that is? I don't. I don't speak. That's what that's what it seems like. He's like, and remember, the quicker you breathe, blah 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 blah. Um, I feel like I mean it's a movie, so they're probably they probably wouldn't flesh it out because why? But still, um, you know. And uh also Mandy Moore, I've never really been a fan. Uh, I I don't know I like Tangled a whole lot. Um and I'm I'm pretty sure she's the voice of Rapunzel in that. Um, yeah, she is. And uh, Kathy just watched this show This Is Us, I think is what it's called. Yep. And Mandy Moore's in that and was good from what I saw. I didn't see all the episodes like my wife did, but um, on the other hand, I love Jaws. Jaws is one of my favorite films, um, easily. And uh, no shark movie that I've seen has ever been able to do what Jaws did without a shark for most of the film. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, I was very apprehensive with The Shallows last year. And it was actually pretty good. It's not great. I think it got overhyped because it was better than expected. Um, but oh. I really thought the there's some really bad moments with the shark at times. The storytelling and the 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 timing and everything really works. Um, I thought Blake Lively did a, a solid job in the movie. So I want to be optimistic about this. But this movie, 47 meters down, looks pretty bad. Um you know, obviously, uh, they go they go scuba diving and they get to go in a shark cage. And the shark cage, the chain or rope breaks, which of course is my biggest nightmare of anything like that. Um, and the cage sinks forty seven meters, go guess, uh, to the bottom of the ocean, and they're trapped. They're running out of oxygen, so there's a ticking clock there. Luckily, there's a radio system built in so that they can talk to the people on the surface. It doesn't feel like they're doing enough to help them from the trailer. <laughs> Like, um, and also like the first time that I saw this trailer, which was actually before Wonder Woman, I just kind of leaned over and I was like, wouldn't their lungs like burst or something going down that fast? I, I don't know. I, I am definitely ignorant when it comes to scuba diving and such. Um, like I would be so cool to go scuba diving, but I've heard like stuff about that. If you like go, um, they're you, definitely go. coming back up. I'm not sure about going down. I know there is a. Uh, definitely a, no no there's definitely a depth i think where you would definitely have issues i don't know if 47 meters is enough i don't it might be you could be completely right i do know there's an interesting story about this movie though is that it was it came out last year like what yeah they were releasing it like on home video or something and then they decided not to they decided to do a theatrical release later i think because of the success of the shallows um and so th this movie's been seen by internet pirates already for like it's been on the internet for like oh. a year. Um, so I don't think it's gonna do well in theaters. It looks pretty cheesy. I am probably gonna go see it because I'm on summer vacation and I have the movie pass, which they should sponsor us. Um, they liked my uh, my picture of Frankie, by the way. Um, and also, you should just give John his pass for free and also sign me up. Thank you. And that's the sponsorship. Um, Yes. So that is our opinion of 47 Meters Down, and we'll get into our next trailer. Cars 3 is also coming out on June 16th, competing with 47 Meters Down. Uh, of course, different markets. 
Um, we just watched the trailer. Corey, what do you think of Cars 3? I'm a big fan of Pixar, and I saw Cars in theaters, uh, and then I didn't watch the second one because it, Cars was okay, but not really up my alley, and then this one ah. I just... Good pun. <laughs> Unintentional, nonetheless. Um, I Yeah, I will probably be skipping out on this one. So you're saying Cars doesn't rev your engine? That's right. It doesn't get your motor going? That's right. Your wheels are spinning with excitement. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. So vroom, vroom. <laughs> um, Cars 2 was a big departure from the formula of the first Cars film, um, which makes yeah. sense because uh, you don't – how do you recreate this guy, this arrogant young racer? Um, what do you do with his middle movie? And instead they, they made it a spy movie where Mater was more of the main character. Um, Lightning was tagging along with him. It wasn't really about racing. This one clearly has gone back to that, but now Lightning is the senior racer. He's the, on his way out, the opposite role of the first movie. So it feels poetic, um, and it makes sense, and it, it looks amazing as far as like the visual quality. like The uh, animation in the movie looks really, really impressive, especially during the racing sequences. Um, it's Pixar, uh, so I'm, I'm going to see it just because it's a Pixar film, and um, the only Pixar film I think I've missed completely was Good Dinosaur. Um, and that was a November release, if I remember correctly. And uh, generally speaking, Pixar puts their their big hitter out in the summer. So the fact that they went with Cars Three says they they're really feeling the story. Um, it looks like it'll have a lot of the same beats from the first movie, but uh, different at the same time. So it'll be you know rather than him having to learn how to be things, he's going to be imparting that wisdom on that the car that's going to be training him. It looks like they're going to go back to Radiator Springs. Um, so, you know, there's a lot, if you're a fan of the first movie, to, to pull you in. I definitely can see why people won't. And it is a racing movie. Um, if you are not a fan of racing, it can maybe push you out um, a bit for sure. And I'm not a big fan of racing, although I'm also not opposed to racing. So that is uh, our opinion of Cars 3. I'm going to see it. Sounds like Corey's going to skip it. Um, which I think is the same for 47 Meters Down, although don't take my seeing it as a sign of it being good or bad. I'm going to see all five of these, hopefully, uh, that we're talking about today. Um, next up, All Eyes on Me, the uh, Tupac Shakur biopic, comes out on June 16th, hopefully uh, everywhere. Um, Corey, how excited are you to see All Eyes on Me? Pretty excited, actually. Huh, did I surprise you? No, I, it's music-related. I, I assume you had some interest in this at least on that uh that music connection but i am not aware if you are a tupac shakur fan or not but uh, no i wouldn't really call myself a fan i'm aware and um obvious when he died um you know i heard his stuff on the radio and like i listen to it sometimes but i wouldn't you know i feel like i don't know how to explain that actually <laughs> well but you're excited about seeing this movie yeah i feel like i could be more aware of him like and I'm actually pretty interested in seeing more of his backstory and how he got to where he was going and stuff like that. Now, I am um, I'm a fan. Uh, in middle schools, particularly, um, I had a, my best friend was a huge Tupac fan. Um, and so I, I listened to a lot of his stuff. I, I can't say like I am an expert on the person. I know his music fairly well, although it's been some time since I really listened to it. Um, I know a little bit about Tupac, but I am also excited to see uh, so how they tell this story. 
Um, I'm a little disappointed that, from my understanding, this has no no connection to the Straight Outta Compton film. Um, even though there was a Tupac Shakur in Straight Outta Compton, and I had heard they were going to do a spinoff film with Death Row from the Straight Outta Compton people, um, the studio and the, the director and everything. And my understanding is All Eyes on Me has no connection. If I'm wrong, please somebody reach out and tell me, because my information, I have not done any fact-checking. Um, but it is from, again, a, a source that I tend to believe is very reliable. Um, and that's that's concerning. But at the same time, the trailer looks pretty good. Um, especially the trailer that we just watched, which is the one that I think showed the most. Um, it wasn't just like, hey, it's Tupac. Let's uh, We're going to have a movie about Tupac now. We did start at Compton. Here's Tupac. This one feels like they're really kind of showing you what they're going to get into. Um now, we are doing our top five movies on biopics, uh, which we will have already recorded by the time this is out, or at least we'll be recording that night. But um, I have to say, I, I am hit or miss with biopics. I love several, but I hate several as well. Um, there are some that are just really bad. Uh, a really I Go ahead. Skip. I skipped out on one that I was actually pretty excited about because you disliked it so much. But also... To be fair and to be real, it had Elizabeth. Uh, what's her name? Olson. Yeah, ma- Elizabeth uh, Olson. <sighs> yeah, it did, and uh, that is. Um, I am now. I saw the light. light. I saw the light. Uh, the Tom Hiddleston as um, Hank Williams film, which was very disappointing. And my wife, who is a big country music fan, also did not like that film. I don't think she hated it as much as I did, but she was not impressed. It drags, and that's where biopics can become bad they can either be melodramatic where they really overemphasize the drama that the person had um they can uh really drag on and show elements of the life that they don't need um and that is always concerning and um you know there's also like the oddity type of biopics where they don't go um for realism in the scenes but they go for realism in the character um which i don't want to spoil anything but that's steve jobs uh by danny boyle (laughs) That's not a it's not a traditional biopic as it is framed in three events that are 10 years or so apart that um, you're really just seeing the character of Steve Jobs in these events rather than showing you day by day routines of his life. You're seeing him in these moments and in those moments you're getting an insight of who the man was and And his relationships. Yes. And how he handled those relationships and navigated those relationships. And I thought it was a brilliant way of doing a biopic, but some people didn't like it because it's not a traditional biopic. You're not seeing him start off as a, you know, a young guy who figures things out. Like there was jobs with Ashton Kutcher playing Steve jobs. Um, that does that where you see him go through all these different phases of his life and it's kind of boring and it's very melodramatic and it's, um, there is a TV movie called uh, Pirates of Silicon Valley where it's both Steve Jobs and Bill Gates' life at, as they're paralleling each other and how they steal from each other and um, how their lives intersect with each other. And it was a TV, I think, TNT film, and I loved that when I was in high school. I thought it was great. It was really compelling. It was interesting getting to see uh, the story. And um, that had the same approach, but it was much more entertaining, I thought, Maybe because you had two different characters to cut back and forth with. So whenever something boring was happening in Steve Jobs' life, you would just go to Bill Gates. And whenever Bill Gates' life was boring, you'd go to Steve Jobs. And it was there was always something to show where Jobs felt kind of blah. And to be fair, that could be Ashton Kutcher's fault. Or, you know, partly his fault. But all eyes on me. I'm in. Corey, you're in. Um, yep. so this is the first one. And I think this is my Dark Horse, if I remember correctly, uh, or my wild card. Um 
for uh, the movie, the fantasy, the fantasy, summer fantasy uh, draft. Um, man, I couldn't get that out. So, um, all right. Next up on the trailer list, Rough Night, starring Scarlett Johansson, Kate McKinnon, um, Jillian Bell, I think is her name, Zoe Kravitz, and I'm forgetting the girl from Broad City, and I apologize because she is the one who looks the funniest to me in this, uh, the trailer. Um, Rough Cut, Corey, how excited are you for Rough Cut? Scarlett Johansson, girl, what are you doing? Like, I wasn't a fan, and then I really was a fan, and now I'm going to sit this one out, and I'm going to hope that you come to your good senses and, you know. I can't recall her doing a straight comedy like this. I mean, she's been in films that are funny. Like, she's in Hail Caesar, um, and there's definitely comedy there, and her character's funny. But this is a straight comedy. Um, You know, it's that over-the-top physical comedy that I tend to dislike. There's a scene where even the character Zoe Kravitz questions how a character is still alive after a jet ski wreck on the beach. I'm pretty sure it was Kate McKinnon um, who wrecks. Yep. And... Like, when the characters are calling out the fact that, nope, that doesn't make any sense, especially in a movie where a guy dies from hitting his head. Like, um, death exists in this world. <laughs> I'm not really familiar with Kate McKinnon, but I had to look up. I know somebody's probably hating me right now, but I had to look her up because her accent is so annoying and so horrible in now, this trailer. Is she Australian? No, she's American. Oh, okay. I just had to make sure because I was like, maybe I'm being ridiculous. I thought she had an accent, but it, I didn't think it was Australian. Um, and I could be wrong. She does. Uh, she's Saturday Night Live is where she got her, her big break. Um, she was in Ghostbusters last year and arguably the best part of Ghostbusters from last year. Um, and Generally, I find her to be funny when I've seen her in things. I don't watch Saturday Night Live anymore. My generation's long since passed. I was a Mike Myers, Adam Sandler uh, and I did carry over Chris into the Farley. Will Ferrell era. Yes, Chris Farley, uh, Chris Rock was on it then. David Spade, Rob Schneider. I mean, in my opinion, and this is general for any Saturday Night Live uh, ever fan, is your generation, the one you start with, is the best. And anything after that is never as good. Um, and that's I haven't watched Saturday Night Live for a good 20 years, probably, at this point. May, I've seen an episode here and there, but not consistently like I used to back in the early 90s. Um, that said... This movie looks like it can have some laughs, but when I saw this trailer originally, I immediately was thinking very bad things. A movie I didn't see, but remember very distinctly hearing about where guys are having a bachelorette party, they accidentally kill a stripper, and then they proceed to hide the body in the desert, and how everything goes wrong from there. That's this movie. Now, from my understanding, that movie, Very Bad Things, did not do well. So why a female version of that movie is a good idea, I don't know. Hollywood, please... I don't know why they keep doing that, in which I haven't seen... Oh, God, I don't think I ever watched the whole thing. But um, that one wasn't a comedy, right? It was like... Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was a dark comedy, but I don't know because I've never seen oh, it. Oh, okay. It, um, it could be. You're probably right. Um, yeah, it is. Black comedy. Okay. But um, I why do they keep... And this one's like just comedy, ha, 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 which it doesn't really look funny. But... Why do they keep doing that? Like, oh, so we have this movie that's predominantly a male cast and centered around male characters. Now we have to do, you know what I mean? Yeah. They keep doing that and it's not necessary, guys. No, their hope is that they're going to bring in a woman audience. Um, And guys will go see this because these are women actors that most men are somewhat familiar with. Jillian Bell was in the 21, uh, she was in 22 Jump Street. um, And she's funny there. She was not funny in Fist Fight, uh, which was originally called Teacher Fight. 
Um, I didn't find her funny. Well, she's kind of funny in The Night Before with Seth Rogen. She plays Seth Rogen's wife in that movie. But she's barely in that, so I don't know if that's why she's funny. Um, I generally find her to be a one-trick one pony uh, in the movies that she's in. And I don't often find her to be too funny. Um, so, yeah, I, I will probably see this movie, but not, again, a recommendation just because of uh, a feeling of seeing everything that's coming out next week. Um, and, Corey, you sound like you're definitely not going to see this movie. Nope. All right, well, we got one more trailer, guys. Book of Henry um, is coming out on June 16th, although it is in limited release, and I want that to be clear, uh, which is disappointing. I really hope it comes to uh, a theater near me. I am willing to drive um, at least an hour, maybe an hour and a half to see this movie um, because I, I'm that intrigued by it. I am especially in love with the cast of this movie. Um, that was an interesting sound. Uh, <laughs> um, there's a storm brewing, and oh. it's been nice outside all day today, so I had my windows open, and holy heck, it's my blinds. Well, this... Um, this movie has Jacob Tremblay, who was, uh, got his big break in Room with Brie Larson a couple years ago, um, Naomi Watts, Sarah Silverman, Dean Norris, uh, Maddie Ziegler, who I'm not familiar with, but she does look familiar. Oh, she is the girl that dances in all of Sia's videos, and on like when they tour and go like play shows and stuff, she's her dancer. Oh, I don't know who she's that is. She's from... <laughs> Oh my god, you have to know Sia. I probably um, know the song, but I don't know by name. Okay. But, um, and Jaden Lip... I always mess up his name. Liber Her? Liber Her? Liber Her? Liber Her? Um, uh, who is in St. Vincent and uh, Midnight Special, which we mentioned a little bit ago. Um, he is the lead playing Henry, who is the titular character. Um, we also have Bobby Monahan, who is another Saturday Night Live guy who I am familiar with, and I generally find him to be very funny. Um, the movie is definitely, um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Henry is apparently a genius, um, so much so that his mom relies on him for basically functioning as an adult. And, uh, he discovers what appears to be, um, his neighbor is being, uh, sexually assaulted by her stepfather. And the only way he feels it can be stopped is by apparently killing the stepfather and he recruits his mother into the uh, the plot. It looks very compelling. It looks very dramatic. Maybe a little melodramatic. Um, but I love the cast and the premises. Uh, it's interesting. Um, so I, obviously, am all in on this. Corey, what are your thoughts? Okay, I think that it looks a little ridiculous and over the top. I love Naomi Watts. I'm kind of surprised that Jacob Tremblay is going to be in another movie with her after Shut In, which was horrible. And don't ever waste your time or money because you'll never get that time back. Um, and I know you tried to tell me. <laughs> so I wasn't really in on it. And I don't like Sarah Silverman. Really? <gasps> for me. Yeah. Have you um, have you watched I Smile Back? No. You need to watch that. Uh, I think she that's where she legitimates legitimizes her acting career. Um, it's okay. from two years ago. I think it's on Prime. Um, I know I, it was. I need to say this, though, because you know this. I love Lee Pace. And I don't know how big his... Because uh, I pulled is. it up on IMDb. Yeah, he's second build there, but I don't know. I didn't see him in the trailer, I don't think. No, so I don't know how big of a part he will have in this, but I would, I will probably see this because of Lee Pace. I did not realize who that was. 
um, and he's Ronan in Guardians and Thrandral, Thrandral in The Hobbit, um, which I've seen all of three of those. Um, yeah, I, I agree that I can see people thinking this looks uh, cheesy or over the top, but it's it just fits for me. I, um, I'm, I don't know what it is. This movie looks really good to me, and I, I really hope it gets a big uh, push. I feel like this trailer that we just watched, though, I feel like it gave away too much. I don't think it does, though, and that's the... I, I don't know, obviously. I haven't seen the movie yet, and it definitely could, but I feel like the what it's giving us isn't the point of the movie. I, I feel like it's giving us the plot, but yeah. that's not what the movie's about. Um, but it, it does, you know, obviously, when you have, like, a boy... I just... I'm Everybody in this movie, to me, is so great. Like, Naomi Watts picks some crap movies, though. Like, I'll give that. Like, she's done some questionable stuff. But she's she's generally good in that crap, even if it the movie's crap. Yes, um, yeah, that's true. And, I like her a lot, and I like Sarah Silverman where she's gone with her career lately. Um, she is like she's still gonna be she's doing Wreck It Ralph too, and she's you know um she's good in that movie in that role. I I generally like her. Um, I think she she picks like in School of Rock. She's she's not the funny character. Um, she's the the butthole girlfriend of the roommate, you know. And I thought she's really good in that. And I smile back. It's it's a dark movie like i don't want uh to to oversell that film it is not for everybody it is sexually graphic at times which was surprising uh to me for her um but it's she's really good in it and uh, it's it's a really dark look at like mental health um Ooh. and it's 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 interesting um to say the least and very well acted though by her um, so I, I'm in with that. And then the guy who is uh, most famous for his role in Breaking Bad as the police officer brother-in-law um, is playing the, the police officer stepfather in this movie. Um, he, he plays a bad guy pretty well. Um, like when he I've seen him in a few things. He's been getting some roles. He's in Fist Fight, which was not again. It's an awful, awful movie. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm still convinced. I want to see it. I'm willing to drive to see this one. I hope it comes to theaters near you. We usually avoid discussing the limited release but this is a movie i'm so interested in and i want people to be aware of it again i don't think it's for everybody but if it's if you're like me and you're interested in things especially with great child acting because uh both of these kids jacob tremblay and the other kid whose name i can never remember he won me in saint vincent i love saint vincent that's um bill murray and um melissa mccarthy um freaking really and i think naomi watts uh is in that as well actually i'm not 100 percent on yep. that she, she's the russian girlfriend right um yeah, I haven't seen that, but I'm pretty yeah. sure she's in it. Yeah, she, I, which is why she has a Russian accent, so it totally threw me off for a long time. I had no idea it was her. Um, so they've been in a movie together. She's been in the crappy movie with uh, Jacob Tremblay, but he was so great in Room. Um, I think it was a travesty. He didn't win Best Supporting Actor that year at the Oscars. Um, I've been waiting to see him in another good movie, so I'm very excited about just the cast alone for this film. So yeah. All right, we need to get into our review of Small Crimes. We, we don't usually do five trailers, so we're a little little behind. But, uh, you know, there's a lot coming out on the 16th for some reason. Um, I say go see Cars 3 because it's on my pick. So um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about Shameless. <laughs> shameless. Uh, no, we're not talking about Shameless. Um, my wife likes that show, though. Uh, we're going to be talking about Small Crimes. 
um, today, which is a, on Netflix. Um, no, Netflix does not sponsor us. We have done a few Netflix originals, but that's for the, the listeners. We want you to be able to watch the movies that we're talking about. And sometimes you're not willing to go and shell out the money for them. But if you're already paying the subscription fee, why not? Why not check out Small Crimes? Um, Small Crimes is directed by E.L. Katz, who did uh, a film I watched early, uh, last week called Cheap Thrills, which Corey also watched. Um, and that's also on Netflix. And uh, it's co-written by E.L. Katz, Macon Blair, and um, David Zeltzerman, who wrote the novel that Small Crimes is about. So Macon Blair and E.L. Katz wrote the screenplay together. Um, it stars Nicolas Coster-Waldo, Robert Forrester, uh, Jackie Weaver, Molly Parker, Gary Cole, Macon Blair, um, uh, Michael Kinney, and, I think, and Pat Healy. I want to reference Pat Healy. He's also in um, Cheap Thrills. And the IMDb oh. plot summary of Small Crimes, a disgraced former cop fresh off a six-year prison sentence for attempted murder, returns home looking for redemption, but winds up trapped in the mess he left behind. Now, Corey, I didn't talk to you about this before we recorded, but I meant to. I'm going to go ahead and talk to you about it right now on the air. Um, what I would like to do, uh, mixing it up from normal, let's assume that some of our listeners haven't watched this movie yet. And I want to do oh, a... God. I want to do a quick, right now, um, our opinion of the film without spoilers. Then we'll do the spoiler warning, and then we'll get into uh, whatever else we want to talk about. Does that sound okay? Let this let this be said that I could never have a job writing synopsis. Synops- mm. How do you say that? Synopsis. Uh, synopsis? Might, I don't let's know. go with it. I like it. Synopsis. Um, I'm making up words. Making up words is how we get paid, y'all. Um, Webster's pays me. So, Corey... We're not going to do like a synopsis, but kind of your overall. Um, we usually end with did you like it or not, and then we give a rating. I think we'll still save the rating for the very end, but I kind of just want to know uh, did you like it or not. And um, without giving any specifics, what you liked about it and what or what you didn't. Okay. Oh, um, don't sound too enthusiastic I... there, Corey. <laughs> well, because I did not like this movie. Oh, Okay. Boom. Boom. Guys, A, if you're new to the thing, surprise, surprise, spoiler warning, because we will probably talk about some specifics of this movie and ruin it for you, so you can go watch it and come back, or if you don't mind, you can keep listening. Uh, Okay. Um, Hold on. Wait. I feel like you didn't listen to anything I just said (laughs) when I said that we would give our synopsis and then do the spoiler warning. (laughs) Oh, I didn't hear that we would give the spoiler warning next, because... Damn it, John, just restart it. I'm fired. It's okay. No, we're if not I gonna... were paid, I would be fired. I'm no. not restarting any of this. Nope. We're just going to leave it in. Um, here's what. God dang it. I didn't give you any kind of heads up. Yeah. I've been thinking about this for two days and gave you no warning. It's fine. This is not our then normal protocol. Why do you protocol. do this to me? Well, because I, I'm forgetful. I'm so... um, to be fair, what? I gave you. I said I'm forgetful, but I did give you like two days in warning to watch the trailers, and that didn't happen. So... Well, I'm a shitty person sometimes. <laughs> oh, man, you are dropping the curse words tonight. You are, oof. Um, <laughs> no! Okay. Okay, so um, b- before we get into I'm... spoilers, just without any details, you didn't like it. What about the film did you not like? I didn't like the story. I didn't like the structure of the story. Um, at the beginning, I was compelled by, I was like, I was intrigued. I wanted to know more. About what happened, I wanted, I felt kind of roped in, and then it didn't really follow through, and it felt like the movie ran long. 
And just and I don't like the character, which I we're not supposed to, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. There weren't any redeeming factors to him, really. Now this movie is an hour and thirty minutes, um, so it is it is short by movie times. But it, Corey's saying it felt like it was long. Um, I, on the other hand, actually really liked this movie. I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, now where I think our differences might fall is have you have you watched any what would be classified as noir films? I don't really. Um, I feel like I have. Well, it's it's I hadn't really. I mean, I'd watched some of the modern, like our uh, neo noir. Um, Blade Runner is technically a noir film. However, it's a sci fi noir film, and so there are things in there that you could like, even if you don't like noir. Noir though is um, basically a cynical style of film telling. Everything is bad. There's really never a happy ending. Uh, the world is cynical, and everybody in it is bad. Um, that is the general rule for noir. Now there are some variations. Um, Double Indemnity is one that I love a lot. Uh, Touch of Evil, uh, the Third Man I haven't seen, but that's another very iconic one. Um, you know, there, there's dozens and dozens uh, that right now my brain is not pulling up, but it's a genre that I have found um, a lot of comfort in. Partly because I am cynical, um, but I'm I'm cynical with the awareness that I don't want to be cynical. So. I often have that negative approach, but I generally know that it's not always true. And this movie uh, does take the cynical approach. Now, if you look at this movie and Macon Blair's earlier this year that we reviewed, um, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore, which I believe is the correct title. I love that you always... I'm surprised you did a good job, but I was waiting. Yeah. Just waiting, because you... I don't, I don't want to live trouble. on this planet anymore. I've, I've called it dozens of different things. Um, but... That movie and this movie share the cynical tone, but take a very different twist in the in the storytelling. Um, in I don't feel at home in this world anymore. It it becomes positive. They find and, something to live for. But also, and also, I feel like those characters were relatable. No one in this movie really was relatable to me. And I'm cynical too. And I don't. That is where I don't need to see more of, I mean, I don't see this stuff all the time, no. but I don't need to see more of that all the time, of what really happens in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, <sighs> Robert Forrester, I think, is the uh, the audience surrogate. He's the character we're, not the surrogate, but he's the character we're supposed to connect to um, throughout the film. And I, I will get more into that in spoilers, but uh, just a quick, I think that's a good kind of indicator. Um, if you have listened to this podcast for 22 episodes, this being the 23rd, and you generally agree with Corey, then you may want to skip this movie. If you are finding yourself more to be on my taste, uh, then you might want to watch this. Um, it, it does work, and I will get into, in our spoilers, why I think you are wrong, um, and hopefully convince you that it's better than you think. Um, I love when we do that, actually, because I don't want to not like a movie, and I don't see all the things that you see because we definitely watch with different yes uh and that's not in I... any way a criticism um I, and again i just co said i'm going to prove her wrong essentially and that's not what i mean um i don't think there is such a thing as right or wrong with opinions of films i may make that joke a lot um and Corey and i have always fought that way throughout our entire friendship um with music Except and things like a that more friendly it's much more friendly now uh, it was very we were very hostile towards each other when we very first met. Aggressive. Yeah. um 
we were both right and the other one was always wrong and yes. um, but uh this in this sense though i mean to say i'm hoping that she didn't see some things that i picked up on and of course i could be wrong the way i'm interpreting the film might not be the intent but i really liked el cat's other film uh cheap thrills which you did too i i did enjoy that one and okay. i didn't notice something that you told me that you noticed early on so ah. i might be willing to rewatch that one actually if i so i could see if i see that too yeah I like Cheap Thrills uh, quite a bit, so I went in with a lot of hopes with this one. I actually heard about Small Crimes from Slash Film. Uh, David Chen, who is the, the host of Slash Filmcast, um, brought it up, and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And um, we hadn't done a Netflix film for a couple a couple of weeks, so I thought it would be a cool one to go into, especially um, I really wanted to watch Cheap Thrills, so I felt like it gave me motivation to watch that, to, to see like how this guy's voice comes out and also i knew you would want to watch this because of making blair's connection to it which making blair does have a very small part in the film although significant he, he was he was actually in it more than i was expecting Me because too. we're so used to seeing him come into a movie from from anywhere from like 10 seconds to like maybe three minutes total so i was actually kind of surprised at how much i did get to see him in this because making blair I am such a fan. Yeah, I really expected him to be a cameo, especially when we first see him in the movie. I thought that yeah. would be it. And then he comes back in a big way, um, which we'll talk about in spoilers, I'm sure. All right, with that, uh, Corey, you get to reissue the spoiler warning from a few minutes ago. <laughs> okay. Um, so we're going to probably talk about this movie in some pretty great detail. We're going to go into plot and all that stuff. If you don't like spoilers, you can stop listening now. Go watch the movie. It's on Netflix. And then come back and listen. Or if you like spoilers... Full steam ahead. Like Mike Sanchez. Um, I know. I was going to say like our friend Mike, and then I was like, I'm not going to throw him under the bus. I don't He would admit to that. No problem. Um, and there is studies that support yeah. his claim. Uh, there are scientific studies that say spoilers actually enhance the movie-going experience. Um, I think it depends on the movie. But that said, let's get Thanks into small paying. crimes. Um, okay. One, the the big theme here is change, right? Uh, even and, more. Okay. Go ahead. As, okay, I need to say this because the first thing that I wrote down when I watched this last night is do slash can people change? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because that, that's the theme that the film is about. And it, 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 beyond change, redemption. Can someone redeem themselves? Can someone recover from a huge quote unquote mistake? Um, so we have this cop, uh, Nicholas Coster Waldo plays. Um, the character's name is, where is it? Come on, load. Joe Denton. Um, we, we gradually through the film learn that he is a dirty cop who um, he basically didn't, he made a mistake. He didn't kill somebody he was supposed to kill. And that's what ended up getting him caught. And he didn't turn on his uh, his crime boss. He you know he kept his mouth shut. He took the blame. He did six years in prison. You know, we're, we're joining him as he's getting out of jail. Um, and we kind of get to see like how deep this, uh, corruption goes within the police agency um, and he is in a position where he has to right his wrong he has to finish what he started and he needs to take out the this person who is the DA and so throughout the film he keeps saying he's changed but he everything we see him do is counter to that he keeps getting mad that people think he can't change and saying things that people say like how can I change if everyone expects me to be the same if no one will give me a chance and those are valuable points, but everything he does 
is showing that he hasn't changed and that he's still the schmuck that he was before he went in, right? Yeah. And so that's where you're like, this guy is has no redeemable qualities. Now, it is standard practice for a movie. Our main character is supposed to change. They're supposed to be dynamic. They start at the beginning, and at the end, they shall have they will have learned something or changed. It is very clear early on in this movie that he was not going to change, which is part of the noir kind of vibe. Noir movies usually started the opposite. Um, a lot of them are told through flashbacks, so when we meet the character, they are bad, and then we see how they got there. They usually start good, and then they fall. Um here we we hear he's a cop so in theory he could have been good and he fell but he's already fallen when we join him and there's no flashback we're going straight through here and he actually seems to infect everything he gets near and that's a big plot point that statement that i just made because that is something that robert forrester's character will point out now the character who changes in this movie is robert forrester the dad um oh i loved both of his parents, but I especially loved his dad. His dad, we see when we first meet him, he is very, um, he he's enabling his son. He allows his son to do these things he knows he's doing, and he just lets him. He gives him his truck keys. He's very passive. And you see the mother has been that way too, but she's fighting. She's, you know, yelling and, and uh, t- tired of it, but the dad is not. And as the movie moves, where our character should be gradually changing the main character, he's not. The dad is. The dad has a book in his hand about narcissism, and he said, apologizes to his son that I messed up. I didn't do... I saw that something was wrong, but I took no action. Um, and so we're seeing the change begin. And then we see him stand up to his son and tell him, you, you have to leave. And then it escalates, finally, where the, the dad refuses to let him have contact with his daughters because of that fear I... of corruption. I thought that was a, I'm going to go a little more into detail here, but uh, he obviously does love his daughters a lot, but I feel like if you love someone enough, you can kind of, I don't want to say you can change because I don't know if people really do change, like the core of their, you know, who they are. Um, But I feel like you'd be more, I don't want to say compelled, but you would be more willing to be flexible and try to you know but uh he obviously loves his daughters but not enough to stop being a bad person and um that they were hiding that from him yeah that they were seeing seeing them and stuff and i understand why Mm -hmm. but just that and when she like got upset when he when his mom got upset that he was going towards her nightstand yeah now that that's why i was like holy heck yeah I, i thought the money was there but when he found the pictures of his kids because uh, they had lied to him and said that they weren't seeing them or they hadn't seen them since he went to jail, and they had been. Um, but the dad is confronted. He says, I'm not going to let you see it, and he's like, you, you're going to have to stop me. And the dad stabs him. Now, here's... Which, go, go ahead. Totally unexpected. It's, but that's the big... That's the moment where the dad has finally taken responsibility for his son, that he's allowed his son to become this person by not disciplining him not not intervening not stepping in and this is him protecting his grandchildren but there is a moment in the sequence while uh joe is dying where his character changes did you notice what he does 
Mm, you'll have to tell me because I'm not remembering. So the knife is in in him. He sits down kind of in complete disbelief that his dad actually stood up to him because his dad has never done that. But he takes a rag and he wipes the handle of the knife clean. Which we <gasps> saw him do one time earlier where he wipes the fingerprints off of a gun uh, that he had I think I think it was a gun that he had used uh, to shoot somebody, and he wipes the prints off so that he's clean of it. Here, he wipes the prints off the blade, so his dad will be clean. I remember off the doorknob at the hotel, but that's what it was—the doorknob. Um, um, whoa! I did not. What the heck? So that's the subtle character change. He's not going to let his dad be punished for his mistakes. Because his dad did what he did solely because of how his son has escalated and the danger he is to his children. And so he's not going to let his dad be punished. So he subtly wipes the blade clean. His dad, there's many people out to kill him at this point. So it could be anybody. His dad found him that way. That He gives him the alibi he needs. Um, one, I think in a way um, saying, I still love you. Even though you just stabbed me. And as a way of saying... I'm not going to punish you for what you just did. Um, and I think that's a big character change. Now, that alone, to me, makes a big difference on interpretation of this film. If you missed that little, and it's subtle. It is very subtle. Um, and I could even be wrong. I debated, I'm like, I think he just wiped the blade, the, the handle clean. And I'm very confident because of how he, how he allowed himself to die. He didn't fight back. He didn't try to get the dad. He just allowed it to happen. Um, he just kind of sunk onto a a chair or something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I totally missed that. And that, um, to me, is the dad's really the one who has the big arc in this in this story. And I, I like that um, because the dad takes responsibility for his son rather than the son stepping up and admitting that he's out of control. Because I do think the idea of him being a narcissist is prominent. Like, I don't think he loves his children. I think he you don't No, He's I, just pissed. Um, I think he is. His children are his. And someone took them away. And I think that's where he has a problem. I think if he was given the opportunity to have his children, he would neglect them and ignore them. And they would be just like anything else. But they're his property in his eyes. And they were taken from him. And that I think that's a power issue. Somebody is not allowing him to do something. And if you watch his actions through the film, nobody can tell him what to do. He's going to do what he wants to do. He's going to do whatever he thinks he should do, regardless of the consequences, regardless of what anyone else might think. Um, and we see that because, like, I started to believe he was in love with Charlotte, which I think is her name, right? Um. um I felt like they were pretty clear on that, though. Uh, initially, initially, I don't think he was in love with her at first. I think he had intentions. But I think her showing him compassion and that she knew that he was a criminal and allowed him to get close to her, I think, was re reassuring to him. So I, mm -hmm. st I started to think she might have won him over, um, that she was actually making him change. I thought she might be the catalyst to incite real change in the character. Um, mm -hmm. Instead, he was the catalyst to inc incite change in her. I think um, she was clearly alone. Oh, um, yeah. She is. Uh, she has cats, and like they really tried to hit that. She's a single woman, which she was. You know, she wasn't unattractive or anything. So there was no reason for her to be. But she was very shocked when he approached her. Um, 
she was clearly uh, excited to have any kind of contact with a man. Like they really hit that home hard. And I, I don't think it was in, in a negative way, but it was clearly something about her personality had kept her single. And here is this man who is attractive, who is showing her interest. Um, and she was okay with the fact that he was a criminal. Even there. Yes. Because they're when they are first meeting for a date and he gets spit on mm-hmm. and she's still just, you know, stays there yeah. through that interaction. And it's like no big deal. Like I, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, mean, oh. I would have still felt threatened even though it wasn't me if I was at the table and that kind of bad energy was kind of like pointed even anywhere near me. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, I, yeah. I was uncomfortable I watching I the movie. I was like, fine. oh, man, that guy just spit on his salad. Um, but so he obviously changes her where she's willing to kill for him. Um, something that I don't think would have been Which in Which I was not expecting. Yeah, not at all. And unfortunately, she times it badly. She's not a killer. Um, she has to kill the, his, the crime boss who hired him and paid him is apparently uh, going to spill his guts before he dies. He's dying from cancer or something. And she is his nurse, and she suffocates him. And Junior, who is played by Pat Healy, witnesses it, um, which I was like, oh, that's not good. Um, and here's where you get confirmation that um, Joe hasn't changed, is when he gets a chance, um, he gets rescued by making Blair's drunken uh, shootout. Um because Macon Blair's brother was killed by Junior, so he comes shooting at Junior and saves Joe by coincidence. In fact, I kind of love how everything just works out for Joe at the end, and it looks like this horrible person is going to get away with all of this stuff because um, he tried to blackmail the DA, and the DA has a car accident as a result of that videotape um, and dies. And then uh, he gets Charlotte to kill the mob boss, so he's out of the picture, Macon Blair shows up to get revenge for his brother and shoots Junior. Uh, you know, everything's winning. And even while it's not a win, I don't think Joe is okay with it. Joe's mom is yelling at him and threatening him, and she gets shot in the neck. Right? So, like, everyone who's opposing yeah. Joe is just getting taken out by karma, essentially. Um, and you're not rooting for most of that. Like, Junior getting killed was a good thing. Pat Healy was a despicable character, um, for sure. Uh, the mom getting shot in the neck, though, I'm like, I was so shocked when that happened. Um, and then Charlotte, I was like, oh, poor Charlotte. Maybe he'll rescue her. And he goes to the the uh, ladder. There's like a, a room that Junior calls his playroom. He opens the thing. But that's all we see, right? I felt like that was implying that she was already dead. I thought so, too. Because all we heard were flies. Correct. Yeah, I definitely think it was implying it, but we don't see it. And that could mean like, a couple okay. of things. Like, one, he may have thought, you know what? It's just easier to leave her there. You know, like, she can't decide to turn on him. She can't squeal. Um, and I felt like Junior implied she wasn't dead yet. Uh, but she would be with Joe. But I, I had felt like he had said something that implied she was still alive, but in bad shape. So she could have died. There's definitely there's there's no confirmation. And given what we've seen of Joe, I don't think he knows for sure if she's dead. But I think he's chose to just leave her there. 
just given that he's kind of an awful person um the whole movie he is despicable there's nothing redeemable about him he took this poor girl who just was looking for love and used that to manipulate her and turn her into a killer and she wasn't trained to be a killer so she gets caught and now she apparently is dead one way or the other whether junior killed her because of uh joe's influence or joe has left her for dead it's much worse if he leaves her right it's substantially worse yeah i definitely agree i just didn't get that at all well they they don't show right they we don't see him he doesn't go down there like if he walked down there and came back up i would expect okay she's she's already dead um yeah but the fact that he opens it and hesitates now he could be looking at her body but if it was right there i feel like we would have seen it um, and it's this playroom. It implies like a torture room, right? Um, the word play implies torture, especially Junior's twisted. Um, he like he cuts him with a box cutter in the backseat, which freaked me out, by the way. Um, oh, Jesus, gross. Yeah. Very uh, J- Jeremy Saulnier type uh, practical effect there, too, with the blood. Like it's it's pretty, pretty brutal. Um, and the 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 stripper uh prostitute that he tries to blackmail uh the da with when she get when we see her eye wound um because she gets shot in the eye it's it's pretty graphic like it's brutal um but uh yeah so i i like the movie um again i do think it's very dark it's very cynical uh and there are some moments where there's like i don't want to call them jokes there's some moments where they they get laughter which is making blair kind of dark sense of humor um, coming through the dialogue, um, like, and I, I thought it was really well performed uh, by everybody. I thought the cast was great. Um, I thought maybe the henchmen, uh, Junior's henchmen, were a little not so good. Um. Yeah, but they're henchmen. I mean, henchmen are bad at everything, right? That's why they're called henchmen. Um, but I love that they were like, weren't they Russian or something though? Yeah, they were definitely of another uh, culture. I'm not sure what though. But um, and I, I haven't really spoke on Gary Cole. Gary Cole is uh, for me most famous as Bill Lumberg, um, from Office Space because that's one of my favorite movies. But he's in tons yeah. of things. Um, Oops. but he plays uh, a dirty cop who is kind of the liaison between. Um, he's kind of the one dictating what Joe's doing, and um, hey, man, he's a really good villain. Like he's so, because even when when we first meet him and he's like threatening Joe as he's in the interrogation room, um. Oh, even that sequence, I didn't even talk about that because it's, it's such a small sequence, but when Joe gets picked up by the girl at the bar and he's not trying Ugh. to do anything and she slams her head into the freaking dashboard. Uh, yeah. Holy crap, that freaked me out. I was like, what's happening? Because I thought that was going to be the plot line. Like, I thought that was, he was going to get accused of this crime and everyone was going to think he's guilty. Um, but no, that he's actually uh- immediately absolved of it. I want to also point out because I hadn't, I kind of have thought, had thought about it when I was watching it, but um, I guess I didn't really wrap my head around it. That DA, like he, he kind of does some sketch stuff. I don't Mm -hmm. really know if, you know, like he's sleeping with a prostitute, but then it's like, 
he's also been badly mutilated and Severely. at one point in the film we get to see how badly yeah like i honestly can't believe that joe's character only got six years for that like yeah. i honestly can't believe that it, i don't think that's what would have happened well it was a combination in of, real life the, well the judge was bought yeah it was deals yeah yeah the, the things were orchestrated so it would be only six years but i think also they because of drugs that was part of why he got a lesser <laughs> sentence he wasn't he was under the influence. It wasn't him acting and an rationally. Alcoholic. Yeah. Um. And but the girl, um, the girl that picks him up is the DA's daughter, and she's she's trying to get revenge for her dad in that moment. Um. That was really the point. But they underestimated how much of a badass Joe is. Um. Because he's you know he beats up the guys that are jumping him. Um. But and he knows how to work the system. He does. Uh. Very much. And the DA knows that. That's why the DA drops the charges. And actually asked, do you want to press charges? Um, because he knows... I was kind of surprised at that. Oh, sorry. I keep no. talking over you. No, no, no. I was all. kind of surprised at that, though, because I still felt like with everything, the DA was still trying to be fair. Yeah. You know, he was like, yeah, she told me... What was her name? Cora? Something like that. Kara. Something. Kara, something with a K. Kara. Kara. He was like... Yeah, she told me exactly what happened, so I want to know if you want to press charges. Like, I still felt like he tried to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. He didn't try to drag it out. He didn't, you know what I mean? I feel like yeah. as a lawyer, as a DA, he would have definitely been able to work something out to punish that guy. But he already had the ace in his hole. He knew he was going to be able to get him on this other thing, and that was where he was, like, he tells him, oh, hey, you're going to fry. Um, and it doesn't work out that way, but that was his plan. Um, he, he had a strategy to really get him something big. And um, and that's the film worked for me uh, on all of that. I was very intrigued. Um, I kept expecting the change to happen. You know, I kept expecting Joe to do something to redeem himself, to not do the bad thing. And he kept doing the bad thing every time he had a chance to do the right thing or to get out or to even to make this less painful. He would do the worst possible choices, you know. Um, well, kind of not really, not really, because... At one point, his boss, the whatever, I don't know what he is. What is he? The, the guy, the, the criminal? He's... Yeah, but he's like the lead of like police department or something, right? Oh, Gary Cole. Gary Cole, yeah. Yes. So there, he's trying to get Joe to just kill these people to get rid of it. But he doesn't want to kill them. He tries to set up yeah. blackmail instead. Well, yeah, they it... end up dying anyways. Not... By him, but you know what I mean? Yeah, he, he definitely that. has... There is... Um, I mean, he didn't kill him in the first place, so there's something there. Uh, like, what stopped him from the first kill, and then why why not this time? Because he has him dead to rights. He's holding the gun to his head. He could have shot the DA right there and yeah. be done with it, um, but chooses not to. So there is definitely a, there's something there, but what? And again, I feel like even that might be more self-preservation of him afraid of what could ha like what if i don't get away with this you know i'm gonna go to jail or what if they turn on me or what if people are gonna expect the da to die because i attacked him you know and here i am out and not a week later yeah. he's dead um it would you know like i am super confused on something though yeah um macon blair's character mm -hmm. knows that joe killed his brother or that he at least laid him on the tracks the train tracks that he covered up the uh the, but, the murder yeah um 
So he goes in guns a blazing. We don't find out until the end. But he's who shot Joe's mother. Yeah, correct. But not intentionally. But then he comes back and saves Joe. I don't think he's trying to save Joe. He's trying to kill Junior. Um, it just happens that he saves Joe, and okay. then Joe saves him, um, or at least is going to, and then doesn't. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, and Joe doesn't know that during that sequence either. It's not until um, they're in the car that he discovers that he shot his mom, and that um, he had just learned that what Joe had done. Because remember, he ha- he didn't know the first two times we see Megan Blair. Uh, he doesn't know what Joe's involvement is. He knows that he was friends with Billy, and he makes that line, if you you and Billy were like brothers, so that makes us like brothers. Um, it's not until that scene that we find out that he talked to the DA and found out that there's this belief that Joe was involved. Um, and so that's when he accidentally shoots Joe's mom, trying to shoot Joe from the street, um, and then saves Joe, I think, again, inadvertently. Um, not 100%. Uh, but he he's there to kill Junior for sure. That's who he's after. And Joe Joe's in the crossfire. Like Joe could have easily have been shot on accident. So I, I don't think he was necessarily trying to save Joe, but he wasn't like targeting Joe. Okay. That's my take on it. But um I think that's that covers the movie pretty well. Um it it is very dark. Corey's not wrong in that regard. It is a very dark and cynical movie. Uh, there are no real redeemable characters. I do feel like the dad, even though he kills his son, which isn't redeemable, I feel like the dad's actions are to stop what he time. what he views as a monster. He sees this his son is out of control, and he will not change, and so he will be the catalyst of change and making sure his granddaughters are protected from this monster who is, for whatever reason, whether love or narcissism, is determined to get them and is going to cheat the system to get them uh that's part of the deal that gary cole makes with him is that if you do these things i will make sure that you get your daughters that the agreement that was made uh where he's not allowed to speak to his children will be taken away um and again i don't feel like he loves them i think it's that thing where he's not allowed to see them and so wants them um which i could be wrong but that was my read on it just because of the character he's he's just so despicable um but yeah, um, I give the movie Not Quite Golden Pony Boy as my rating. Um, again, I really did like it, and uh, I thought Megan Blair's writing comes through, um, and I thought E.L. Cat's style comes through as well, uh, and I like both of those guys. Uh, and Corey, I'm guessing you're leaning a little lower than that. I am. I want to say before I give my rating, though, that it's very well acted. If you like the story, it would probably, you know, I mean, appeal to you. I'm very impressed with Netflix uh, Netflix films. We've watched a few now, and mm-hmm. I feel like they could go really low budget and not make good films, and I feel like that's not the case, or that they don't help produce these films. So, But I'm going to give it um, nah, um, da, 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 a decent watch. Oh, okay. So that's not bad at all. Um, is that where you no, were? No, it's like midway. Yeah, is, is that where you were before we talked? or did... uh, I might have... I... Honestly, maybe I would have given a not, not a total waste of time. Okay, so I might have swayed you a little bit. Um, yes. All right. Well, uh, that's our review for Small Crimes, uh, available to stream on Netflix right now, a Netflix original. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. If you if you didn't share those already, if you want to reach out to us, um, I'm available on Twitter at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. 
Now, for next week's episode, episode 24, <laughs> Corey has selected the movie, I hope, because uh, I don't know what it is. So, Corey, what are we watching next week? We always do this. Well, I'm going to save the one that we kind of talked about until maybe an episode or two later. I think I'm going to go with Lolita. Okay. Um, I am not thinking what Lolita is. What is Lolita? Um, it is from... Da -da 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 -da. Sorry, pulling up the wrong one. It is from 1962. Oh, okay. We're going it old. It is uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Interesting. Oh, Jeremy Irons. Ooh, it's it? a long one. Melanie uh, Griffin. No, this one has uh, oh, this is James Mason. Sorry. Lolita. I know. That's what one pulled up for me. I didn't realize this was made in 62, uh, though. Yeah, no, that's not a bad thing. Um, It is long. No, I just didn't realize because of all the... Yeah, is that too long? No, it's fine. Um, I'm on summer vacation. I can make it work. Um, okay. So Lolita from 1962 uh, was directed by Stanley Kubrick, a film that I've not seen of his, but a director who I try to get through uh, more of his movies than I have. Um, I've seen some of his biggest Same. ones, but I still haven't watched two of his big ones um, all the way through, at least. I've seen most of Space Odyssey, or 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, I need to watch that. I need to watch that uh, for sure. I, I watched it when I was much younger, and I don't remember much of it. And I don't think I would have understood it when I watched it anyways. Um, and I need to watch uh, Clockwork Orange. Um, but Lolita is where we're going. So episode 24 will be Lolita. We would love for you to watch that movie and share with us your thoughts on it. And if you reach out to us before we record, we may read your comments on the episode. So without any further ado, I think that does it for episode 23, Small Crimes. Uh Check back next week for another one. We'll have a new top five movies coming out later this week on our favorite biopics. Until next time, Corey, have a good evening. Thanks. You too. Have a good day. All right. Peace. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs> <laughs>